0: The new Gundam. It's explosive.
1: Welcome back everybody to Gundam and MHQ. This is going to be episode 37 and in this episode we're going to be covering two topics kind of the new format that we've been doing since the loss of annual reviews of uh, Gundam and Code Geass and Macross Frontier and all that. But um, we've got two topics for you tonight. The uh, first one's going to be an anime spotlight of uh, a show that we've mentioned quite a few times and ties into uh, something we, uh, spotlight we did earlier this year and that is going to be the vision of Escaflown and that is Not only the series, but we're also going to touch upon the movie. Uh, of Escaflone. and uh, so we'll have that spotlight. The second topic that we'll be doing tonight will be, you know, in, in kind of the theme of uh, this summer with all the death of uh, very famous people and stuff, and what we had talked about a couple episodes ago, uh, death in and, and Gundam and, and death in Mecha series. We're actually going to do a twist on this one. Uh, I'd actually kind of call it the Dragon Ball Z episode, because we gathered seven Dragon Balls, and we're trying to wish back the people we'd like to see in Mecha shows that we didn't want to see die. And uh, we got some good, uh, good, good thoughts and good some good analysis there. And we've even bring in some people that necessarily aren't in mecha shows, but you know some other things that we definitely would like to see. But um, like always, I'm always joined here with uh, Chris and Solbro. How are you guys doing? Well, solid, man. I am solid, Chris. Snake. Snake. There we go. All right.
2: Snake. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But um, before I get into the news, and I got a couple uh listeners submitted news topics here. I know people had seen on the Gundam website, and I also did a post in the Mecha Talk thing. Uh, you know, Gundam is now being sponsored by uh, uh, Petco and GoDaddy. And I just want to let everybody know that I want to thank all the people that have actually supported those two companies. And I encourage anybody that hasn't, check it out. If you're able to use it, go ahead and do it. And, you know, continue to support them. because. Ironically, we we're actually getting some money for this—not a whole heck of a lot, but you know, sometimes you have to start small. So, on top of that, they're cutting people some great deals too. So, so, if uh,
3: Paul, have you, uh, have you booked the uh, the hotel and the airline tickets to Vegas yet? For <laughs> for, for when we uh, party with all of the bank we're making off of this advertising? <laughs> oh, heck, yeah.
4: Um,
1: actually, I was, um, I was gonna go to uh, to London, so because uh, I,
3: I I demand tigers, tigers. <laughs> I want to be accompanied by Tigers on Leashes.
1: Be able to go to all the uh, Cirque du Soleil
3: shows in Vegas? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Front row seating. And I want want only the best chilled hams. Yeah.
1: And I only want red M&M's. There you go. Everything else gone. But I don't want just red M&M's. I want packets and people individually taking it out by Italian maids. So (laughs) there we go. On, On a slightly less serious or more serious note, but I just want, like I said, thank you everybody that does that and you know support them you're supporting us and also you know support us by spreading the word to everyone and i know a lot of you guys are and keep doing it and hopefully we can uh, start expanding this stuff so um that's that at this point but got some news here and we'll kind of breeze through it really quickly a lot of news but just a lot of cool little things to hear uh the first one is from the do sponzo oh wait wait. And wait this wait. is from courtesy of wait 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 wait
3: Th-
4: that's thaddeus thaddeus bonzo is that thaddeus, thaddeus bonzo that is thaddeus a point
3: of of you uh mangling his name well <laughs> if you put t if you put capital t
1: h a capital d d e u s yeah I'm going to do it, uh, you know, phonetically here. So, it's sorry. a bit misleading. Yeah, exactly. So Thaddeus Bonzo, sorry. And this is courtesy of the Anime News Network. And don't hold your breath on this. I'm sure we'll get these shorts. But, um, you know, all those out there with Blu-ray players, the PS3s, the, they're now releasing uh, Double Zeta in Blu-ray boxes. Hey, hey. But uh, what they're going to have is they're going to have these uh, CG shorts called Gundam Frag. Basically, it's going to kind of catch a glimpse of the daily and not so daily life on the battlefield in Universal Century. I hope by the Nazi view, because that was I, I need to know more about how Nazis in space react to uh, <laughs> interstellar uh, galactic wars with uh, bipedal mobile suits. So you know, of course, uh, Double Zeta was from eighty six eighty seven, and it was the probably the the less honored sequel to Zeta. And these Japanese Blu rays are going to be released on November 25th of this year. Or the first one's going to ship September 25th, and then the final one will be on November 25th. will also include like a 48 page booklet, two versions of the opening animation sequence without text credits. So we get to see, um, what is it, Animage and I? Nice. And uh, the ending animation without text credits. So I'm sure we'll definitely see that stuff by the end of the year up on the old interwebs. Another story we have here, and this is from Furious Rodimus, and this is also um, courtesy of the fine folks at Anime News Network. Any of you guys ever hear of a guy? He was very popular like in the mainstream a couple years ago, and he's still doing stuff. He was in here in Orlando not too long ago, Andrew W.K., yeah. You ever hear that singer? Yeah. yeah. He was, he did like the party on or party hard. I think that's like his big like breakout hit. Right. He is actually going to do an album called Gundam Rock and it's an English cover album that's going to ship on September 9th in Japan. What? And it's uh, English, la- English language rock covers of all the Gundam anime songs. And it's going to be released by Universal Music, so there's some big, uh, you know, big stuff there.
4: Someone else did that not too long ago too.
1: That was probably a Japanese person. <laughs> um, but uh, it's going to feature music from the first Mobile Suit Gundam and television series and the movie trilogy and it's part of the ongoing 30th anniversary and uh, andrew wk had released a cover album of j-pop songs that included anane senshi from mobile suit gundam 2 soldiers of sorrow the soldiers of sorrow film and he's done a lot of um English covers of theme songs and then rock versions of some of the background music in a lot of anime. So, wow. He he's also going to reenact the anime's opening narration and give the famous Garen Zabi's funeral speech. On that CD. Yeah. That's weird. So, that's going to be September 9th, so I'm sure Soulbro will have his order up on Japan Amazon IE Demonoid. Calling um, me pre-reserving. But <laughs> Another
3: let me let me pre-torrent this <laughs>
1: <laughs> Get your pre-torrents. Get your pre-torrents. <laughs> Another article here and this is from Hobby Media and it's a it's actually an Italian website and this just once again, shows you some of the craziness of the Japanese and the in celebration of the 30th anniversary. But you know those Nissan noodles, those cup of noodles things. Oh yeah, they're actually uh, gonna have Gundam themed ones. Uh, not the noodles, but they got like the RX-78 on the cup, and there's like some gunpla things on it. And um, it makes it going to be uh, the gunpla is in one 380 scale. and they're the smallest um, models ever produced. And there's going to be of course the RX-78-2. Uh, the dome, uh, Char Zaku, and the green Zaku. Man. And they're also in conjunction with this. Bandai is also going to produce about a thousand special master grades of the RX 78 2 1100. And uh, there's some pictures on there, so check the link on the Neo's news listener submitted news article site. And, uh, they're but pretty nice, but a um, couple other things here, and we'll be done so you can get into some of our great topics. Another one, courtesy of Wielder, and this is from Anime News Network, and it looks like um, all the Gundam love outside of Japan is starting to really hit full circle here because um, Yoshiyuki Tamino, probably heard of the guy, he's actually going to receive the Honorific Leopard Award at the Locarno International Film Festival in Switzerland. And he actually received it this past Monday. And you know, of course, he's known for something called Mobile Suit Gundam. And they're actually going—they're <laughs> <laughs> actually uh, at the, at this festival for the first time in um, this is in Europe. And after the awards ceremony, they're going to show the first Mobile Suit Gundam movie. You know, his appearance marks the festival's manga night, where there's going to have a whole bunch of um, you know spotlights on different mangas. And like we had stated earlier, he's going to be in the New York Anime Festival. From September 25th to the 27th. Uh, so if you have an opportunity to go up there and hopefully the hurricane hits, so I get shipped up to New York City and I'll pay hooky from work that day. So. <laughs>
3: wow. Isn't that nice for you? Well,
1: you gotta, you gotta have for a hurricane. So gotta, gotta hope for hurricanes. Cause once I do that, then I sell all my stuff and I move somewhere else because I'm tired of hurricanes. <laughs>
3: Gee, thanks a lot, buddy.
1: I'll get a picture for you. I'd actually would get a picture of him smashing a Gundam with him.
3: Be like, Tomato
4: smash. I'll you this model and a hammer.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Can we do it together, Mister Tomato? <laughs> and I'll, I'll I'll rub his bald head for luck. But uh, I
3: bite you. Probably would. Nice. He seems like the biting type.
1: Oh, the Marv Albert type. <laughs>
2: <Ouch>.
3: Yeah.
1: Yikes. <laughs> uh, a couple other. Uh, some new stuff, because we had been on the, on the air for a while in, in this type of format, and there's a lot of cool stuff going on. We had mentioned earlier about the 1-1 one, one, or the 1-1 one, one scale giant Gundam in, in Tokyo, and this is courtesy of Flamex from Anime's News Networks, mm. is that not only can you look at it and hear, at, hear it, but a company called TNG, Wedding Coordinators, they're taking good needs, they're Wedding Coordinators. 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 <laughs> Not super ones. They're just regular ones. They're accepting applications from July 11th to the 26th from couples who want to have their wedding in front of the 59-foot tall statue. Wow. And they're, they're going to have staffers that are going to host the anniversary, uh, s- hosting some anniversary ceremonies too.
3: Because you know the bride really wants it to be there. <laughs> hey, you know, this being Japan, there's probably going to be a whole bunch of weddings there. Probably so.
1: Yeah, they've actually said that they've received quite a few Applications. So, yeah, it's... Yeah, man. don't. No, I wouldn't.
4: Uh, no, I'm just. I'm surprised that the the bride would be um would be cool with it because you know, most most of them want the wedding to be a specific way. And I never. That hey, would, man, there's
3: there's there's yeah. fans, female gunner fans in Japan too. That's how, true. How, and uh, how that's can true. you
1: speak as a woman when it comes to their wedding day? I can't. So I can't. Kya tela boca, please. I've
4: just, just been watching too much Bridezillas, apparently.
3: But um, all <laughs> why the, are you watching that at all? We're, man, and we're not doing confessions here, but man, uh, the soup
4: man, that's all. I Although got to
3: say. Uh, we won't have pictures <laughs> of that, we will have. Uh, we'll be posting eventually uh, pictures. Our own local peto bear is in Japan right now. He's going to be visiting the uh, Odaiba Gundam. He's going to be visiting a Gundam Expo and Comiquette. So we'll have all sorts of wonderfully nerdy pictures of things for you to see that I'm sure he'll give us to post on Gundam.net.
1: And as he's in Japan at that point, he's technically not a pedo-bearer because, well, the age of consent's is slower. Than, Just right. So. Just right.
4: Word to Pedro. Uh, Word to Pedro. Man. But
1: um, all the ceremonies have to be held before the 31st of August because the statue is scheduled to close uh, around that time. And, of course, this is part of the 30th anniversary. I'll be honest. I'm not that big in theme weddings, but if I was to do it, if it's Charzaku, yeah, yeah, or the Hayakushiki, yeah, heck yes, Armuro, no, because <laughs> I, I, I'd actually, I, I would be stupid enough if it, I would actually put a wig of his fro, yeah, you know, the <laughs> Armuro Cosmo fro.
3: It could be worse. It could be a statue of the uh, the Nether Gundam. Oh
1: God! Oh. What, is that? The uh, the one from Neo Halon? Remember that silly yes. one? Yeah.
3: Or tequila, but uh, hey, tequila might not be too bad if you're there uh, in Mexico and there's lots of tequila.
4: Tequila! Yep. <laughs> Cinco de Mayo. Some final
1: listener-submitted stories of gundam themes stuff especially because of the 30th anniversary. This comes courtesy from a poster, Sky Knight, and this is on ToyArc.com. And Tashimi's going to be producing one of the biggest Gundam figures ever made. They've provided images on Hobby Link Japan. They're going to be taking the Ionic RX-78-2 and they're going to put it in a 135 scale. And this is going to be part of the Gundam Fix Figuration toy line. and uh, it, the biggest one prior to this were the perfect grades at 1, 1, 160 and I guess maybe technically the 11 1, 1 in, uh, in the harbor there. Uh, and the 160s are about a foot tall or so at 135 they're going to be about double the size. So uh, just you know keep checking like HobbyLeak Japan and, and the other model sites to uh, see when that stuff's going to be coming out. Last little Gundam related news and this is from oh my God, I'm on fire. And this is from uh, the King Kong blog spot, and from and this is some pictures from the Tokyo Toy Show in 2009. And there is a really, really, really badass called the Jibon Dashami Shar, and it's basically Shar from Mobile Suit in that cool uniform. And of course, you could do the different heads. You can have the regular head Shar without a mask, Shar with a mask, or Shar just with the stupid goggles. Nice. So, and and that's about 13,000 yen, inclusive of tax. So uh, I don't know what the conversion of that is. Drop the last two zeros. There you go. So you're talking, okay, $136. That's not bad because it's Char. But um, last little listener-submitted news article, and this is once again from the Anime News Network. It seems like there's a theme here. They might be the only ones that provide news anymore. Oh, poor Granota. This is from Vent Noir, and I'm sure Chris will probably like this too. And uh, it's been confirmed that I don't know how to feel about this, because I I think the spirit of these shows is part of the character design, but it's been kind of confirmed that they're going to do Space Battleship Yamamoto live action.
3: Wow. Yamato.
1: Yamato. You know, there's not too much on here. It was confirmed by Norbihiro Ishiguro, and I'm sure I destroyed that. He's the current director of the Space Battleship Yamamoto uh, television series, and he confirmed that Otako Panel... Uh, last Saturday, that there's a live-action Yamamoto, and uh, in development, it's been like about 26 years since the last film, and talk about some of the themes about being environmental issues and you know of course the treatment of Earth and all that. So let's maybe hope that that stays in uh, development hell because you know I always like the design of those shows. It just yeah,
3: I'm not so big on um, live-action anime anyway, but especially live-action Leiji Matsumoto.
1: Yeah. The whole the whole thing of that is just the look, and it's especially the look of all the women in those. Yeah, you're shows. not going to
3: find like the kind of women that, that he draws in actual life. So. Yeah,
1: very difficult. I would I would say. <laughs> I mean, but um, that's the news. So, any other things before we move on to some great topics
3: here, guys? Um, MHQ isn't dead. Okay. <laughs> just putting it out there in case anyone was wondering. Yeah, it's just I'm uh, just on vacation. Life a very long vacation. Like.
1: Life got in the way, right?
3: Your life always gets in the way. There you go. Sometimes that's not a bad thing, though.
1: So, bro, and any things that you wanted to bust in on before we move on to our topics?
4: Um, just to the cat that burned down his
3: house because his mother threw out <laughs> his Gundams. i just got to ask why. Do I know? There was, there was some, <laughs> some guy in Japan, like uh, one of these manchild's. And um, his mom threw away all of his Gundams. Mm-hmm. And he got pissed off and burned the house down. He was gonna—he was gonna oh kill himself
4: and doused himself yeah. in—he um, doused in himself fire. In, in, in gasoline, in gasoline. And,
3: mm-hmm. but he didn't catch on fire. He but ch- the house burned. He, chicken, <laughs> he chickened out. <laughs> <laughs> he
4: was—he was planning actually to kill like himself and his mom and and just burn that whole house down. And it must it have been quite a collection. Yeah, I'm—I'm I'm assuming.
1: Yeah. okay.
4: <laughs> so, so much so that she threw them out, and it was like, wow, that—that that might have been all he had to live for, but. <laughs>
3: Hey, she could have given it to me. I would have paid for the shipping. EMS. Heck yeah, man. She should have put them on eBay or made that money. Something. But um, (laughs) all right. That's all I got.
1: Wow. Craziness uh, keeps going uh, this year in 2009. Seems like the whole world's kind of falling apart at times. So, uh, but uh, that's the news. And uh, like I always say, I just want to thank all the guys for posting stuff. And, you know, we'll get through as much as we can and uh, just keep looking out for things I know there's a lot of stuff going on and and thank you for all your submissions and uh, we will be back in a little bit with our first topic you're listening to Gundam at MHQ
0: Open Gundam it, open Prime, you said the Matrix would light our darkest hour Magnus! I want the Matrix! Never!
3: Need a cake but you don't want something boring from the local supermarket or bakery? In the South Florida area, try EpicSugarWorks.com. This bakery specializes in creating cakes based off of your favorite anime series, video game character, or whatever custom design you're looking for. Their online store also features anime and video game themed chocolate lollipops, as well as gift certificates if you want to give something to somebody. So if you're looking for a cake that's above the norm, go to epicsugarworks.com. It's epically delicious.
0: Describe what Marcellus Wallace looks like! What? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you! I double dare you, mother Say what one more goddamn time!
4: This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by Petco. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. In this segment, we're bringing back our anime spotlights, and we're talking about a, uh, a series that Sunrise produced in 1996. Um, we touched upon it in the earlier review of uh, Or Battler Dunbine, and this show is clearly, on some points, inspired. By Aura Battler Dunbine, at least from what we've seen, The Vision of Escaflone. And basic premise is a young girl named Hitomi. Um, she is a girl with precognitive abilities. Well, we'd, we'd say that she has a little bit of psychic ability, and um, she's just a normal school girl. She, for the most part, encounters a strange young man that gets brought in from another world. And his name is Vaughn during an incident where he's fighting a dragon. Uh, and he somehow gets brought to Earth for a brief moment during that, that moment where he's fighting this dragon. During the conflict, he shows up, saves his life, and then they both get pulled into this other world called Gaia. And this is where she's stuck for the rest of the show. <laughs> and um, she learns about the world and goes on this adventure slash road trip with vaughn as um he loses his kingdom and then ends up having to fight against the the force that threatens the world which is the what was the name of the um the empire again it was the um Zybok. thank you the, the Zybok empire and um they befriend uh, other other people who are willing to help them in their fight including alan shazar a badass swordsman and um the show features uh mecca kind of like um the mecca in um or Battler Dunbind, where it's, it, they're more like suits of armor, and they're powered by a power source that comes from dragons called... Um, Drag Energist. Drag Energist. God, I'm terrible at this.
3: But uh, <laughs> Why are but, you still on this show?
4: I don't know. Um, but for the most part, it's an excellent series. Uh, it, it gets into a little bit of mythology that we're familiar with as well, a kind of different spin on it. But um, for the most part, uh, it, it's a great show, and uh, I was wondering what your thoughts were on it, Neo. Well,
1: you know, when I finally got to see it, it was very interesting because you get the kind of RPG kind of fantasy land going. Um, to me, I, I still think one of the coolest parts of the whole entire show happens right at the beginning there when Vaughn bonds with the, uh, Escaflow and he takes the, you know, puts the heart in and all that. That was really, really cool to see. You know, it's got the typical, Japanese schoolgirl will save the world or the universe type of feel to it because you know she's very important, and you know this whole thing with fawn and you know it's it's all the typical stuff originally they don't get along very well, but at the end they end up you know having undying devotion, and she does goes back at the end right yeah. she ends up she ends up having to go back, so it's kind of bittersweet in that aspect, so I hope i didn't spoil the ending of something that's been around for like nineteen years, I think. <laughs>
3: Not, not that long, but almost. <laughs> it's been 13 years. I think the statute of limitations has expired on spoilers.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't want to violate any more statute of limitations there, but um, it wouldn't be Spoiler Country without Neo. Yeah,
3: because uh, Lelouch is dead, right? Man. Oh yeah,
1: he is so dead. <laughs> he is, uh, but no, I mean, he's the guy in the cart. I swear. It, it's got all kind of the the typical some of the Mecha character types, you know, like you mentioned Alan Shazar, the the brave blonde ace of you know uh, of the uh, opposing force um, got some new things in there where you got kind of the gender bending uh, thread that comes in like about halfway through uh, fallen brother with Falcon uh, Vaughn's brother and he ends up being kind of like the justified antagonist at the end mm-hmm. so I mean a, a very solid show I mean I, I it does have that it does have a kind of a weird flip in in the middle part and and y you, you can kinda see it but then when you see it it's like, hmm, wow, okay. But uh you know, it's it still ends up pretty well and you know definitely I, w- I would say if you liked something like an Aura Battler Dunbine, you know, this this might be even better because, A it's shorter and you know some of the characters are a little bit more likable in this one than I would say in and Dunbine. But uh Chris, uh some of your thoughts on Escaflow in the series.
3: It totally does <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That it always
1: moment. does, doesn't it?
3: Everything sucks at all times, always. What
1: what 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 is good, Mister Troll? I mean, what 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 what? Uh, you, you've 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 possessed Chris quite a few times lately. These last couple. I mean, tell you what's good. The yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and Voltron
1: <laughs> Vehicle or lion? Because they're both equally bad. Actually, I, I think lion's better than vehicle.
3: Okay, anyway, Escaflowne is something that I started watching many many years ago when uh back in them old days when I used to watch anime and we had these things called VHS tapes, man. And it, and it was these uh white clamshell tapes sold by Anime Village way back in the day when I they still existed. Those. And you know, the show just instantly caught my attention. One thing that I've noticed about the show and watching it is probably the best shoujo series disguised as a mecha show ever. Hell
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is true.
3: Because when you look at it, um, you know, a typical series, you know, with this kind of story, the focus and the main character would be Vaughn, yeah, the brash young guy who pilots the mecha, but he's not the main character. It's Hitomi, the girl who is the non-combatant and who is not your typical lead for a mecha series. Because really, it's you know not that much of a mecha series in the traditional sense. I mean, yeah, you know the the Gaimolus are these robots, but they're really just big suits of armor. Yeah, you know, there's not really like so many of the uh, like types of mecha tropes that you see in most series that show up here. Yeah, you have Delando as the loser villain, but, you know, the loser villain is not uh, specific to Mecha. Wouldn't it
1: wouldn't he be the loser villainous?
3: <laughs> yeah. Let's just say he's 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 the loser. Take it any way you wish. Yeah, just
1: <laughs> just wanted to clarify. I, yeah, I, I didn't know.
3: Definitely one of the things that I enjoyed was um, you know, seeing how the characters develop because of Hitomi because, you know, she's this earth girl and she's so different and you know so weird compared to like what everyone is like on Gaia and how everyone changes around her but also how you know she changes too you know she starts off as you know your typical like little high school girl and she's got the crush on you know the captain of the track team who ends up looking exactly like Alan Shazar so yeah that of course is is strange also notable, you know, it's, this is the debut role of one of my favorite voice actresses ever, Maya Sakamoto.
4: Yes, sorry, and also singing, um, singing talents as well. But
3: um, yeah, thanks, thanks for for stealing my, all my thunder again. Uh, that's how I do it. Go ahead. Interrupting <laughs> me right right as I'm about to say something because you feel the need to interrupt me and then go and say it yourself. Like a blind punch. There we go. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yes, it's, you know, this also was her singing debut because she sang the opening. And uh since this soundtrack was by excellent soundtrack was by Yoko Kano, this marked the beginning of a very long collaboration between the two of them, which after a few years apart they uh came back together again to uh do some stuff with Macross Frontier. Yeah. But anyway, you know, one of the things that's interesting about Hitomi is, you know, that she really comes across as a typical teenager, not like one of these like angsty emo kids uh
1: yeah she yeah because she was what on the track team yeah the the little bit that you have at the beginning she just seems like she has the typical confusions and awkwardness that everybody experiences as a as a high school student like, yeah
3: she's just uh, she's a pretty normal well-adjusted teenager yeah. she you know she has her crush on the pretty boy senior and you know you know she has the worries that you'd expect a teenage girl to have and um you know like the whole portrayal of that character was definitely made more authentic by the fact that uh, Maya Sakamoto was sixteen at the time, oh really? oh wow, uh, yes, which you know as far as anime goes that's very rare because you usually have you know adults playing teenagers, but she actually was a teenager, so you know I'm sure from her own life she could add that authenticness of you know whatever it was she was feeling as a teenager at the time to playing this character, yeah, another element that I liked a lot was uh, you know the focus on. Like these themes of uh, fate and destiny. Yeah. You know, with the way she could see the future and how sometimes trying to avoid it would still happen. Uh, You know, obviously it ties in very much with the theme of um, Emperor Dornkirk, a.k.a. Isaac Newton. Oh, man. (laughs) And his, uh, whatchamacallit, the destiny prognostication engine and how he's trying to, like shape the future to bring up the power of Atlantis and, you know, have everyone's wishes granted, you know, by manipulating probability and, and fate and destiny, which is something that you don't see too much in anime. And given the fantasy setting, this is sort of like a uniquely fantasy type story Yeah, that works in this setting.
1: Yeah. Cause it, 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 in any other way, something like that would be kind of, it, it would just seem odd, you know, if you were like in a real robot or, you know, even, even in a super robot to a point, cause you know there's there's still elements of realism in there
3: so it uniquely fits and then you know the whole motif of you know atlantis and the winged people and you know all of that works very well in in this fantasy setting that it would just be out of place somewhere else not that that didn't stop shoji karamori from trying the whole atlantis thing all over again in Aquarian, but that's a whole (laughs) other story (laughs) yeah i guess he's fond of the place I, I I would have to agree
1: with you though what, what, so a lot of the points that you say because it's like sometimes with these fantasy anime stories I think uh, especially you know as as a man you you look at this stuff and it, it puts you off a little bit because you think you know there's a lot of them seem like they're more uh, aimed towards women and you know to girls and more of a love story but like you said the the whole kind of corporation and you know you, you got the loosely veiled thing with Mecca even though like these Mecca were like they were, like, controlled with, like, gears and stuff, right? It was, like, all inertial and then the power source. Gears stores.
3: and pistons and all that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah. And and then, you know, the whole thing with Destiny and then, of course, with... What I liked about it, too, is you had the main story with Hitomi and Vaughn and all of them, but then you have some of the side stories with some of the other kind of colorful uh, supporting characters that you had. You know, like Alan Shazar and then the Al and, the, you know, even the stuff when... Dryden. You know, Dryden. Howard Stern comes in <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> the furry. Yeah, with 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 this type of uh, anime and especially like in the 90s, it wouldn't be right without having the cat girl in there. You know, the the uh, mischievous little cat girl that's guy always got to get in trouble. So, well,
3: what can you expect this is anime? Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs>
3: Speaking of of side characters, one thing that I thought was also interesting um, the brotherly rivalry between uh, Vaughn and Falcon. Yeah. And you know, you had sort of this antagonistic rivalry towards them and uh it's kind of like a Domon Master Asia kind of thing, you know, with the uh, protagonist character feeling betrayed, yeah. which has made a more interesting coincidence since uh, both Domon and Von were both played by uh, Tomokazu Seki. Oh, wow. With, yeah. with that hot blood that he always brings to the table. Always.
1: Yeah. Isn't there another G Gundam character in this one, Chris, that you had said earlier before we started recording the uh, the two-episode what?
3: Oh, uh, Balgus, the two-episode Master Asia. Yeah, the guy that's
1: <laughs> just so ridiculously badass. He slices, what, a uh, guy malef in half with a
4: sword? With his 20-foot katana. Yeah. <laughs> that hey, was man, impressive, he though. Was, he was kicking ass while he
3: lasted. Heck, yeah.
4: Escaflowne... It's one of those one of those shows from the late '90s that was just really unique. It kind of came out of that era where a lot of a lot of um, animation companies were trying to do something different. Thanks to, I mean, I hate to bring it up, but Ava, you know, everybody was trying to jock Ava, and it was cool that um, Sunrise wasn't, at least not with this show. They decided to go, you know, their own route. Probably because of um, Shoji Kawamori. Well, you can't um, eclipse the greatest anime of all time, oh, I so why even I try? Know. According to ADV, <laughs> greatest anime of all
3: time in
4: one box. <laughs> slap, that on the, yeah, just slap that sticker on that box. So great <laughs> that we have to retell it 19 <laughs> times. <so. laughs> the thing that caught me about Escaflowne, not only the the sweeping soundtrack that I actually heard before I actually watched the show, but watching it and just seeing... How well, just the design of, you know, all the characters and the and the different kingdoms, and it kind of had that fairy tale slash, you know, fantasy look as it should have. But um, you know, they they found a way to incorporate that and put Mecca in the show, and the fact that every character was interesting, even the members of Alan Shazar's crew, they all had personality, and you know, you liked everybody, and they had this really cool dynamic to the show. You know, every time they go to a different place a different, you know, conflict would break out and how the characters reacted and how Hitomi just would become adjusted to every situation. Being a normal schoolgirl from Japan, you know, she was able to adapt to this world. As much as she found it troubling to be there, you know, she managed very well, not being like the titular pilot or the main character pilot, you know. The the show focus was on her and she was an engaging character to to just to, to witness on the show and see how um she played into the whole storyline. I gotta give it up to Vaughn too. He was, he was kind of a hard headed guy, but you know, he ended up coming through at the end. My favorite scene in the show with Vaughn is when he goes Buck Wild on Delandau's oh, crew. Yeah. Oh my God. That five minutes right there is some of the best five minutes of mecha anime. At all. I mean, was it, I think it was at the end of episode 13. Has, or uh, somewhere has, around there. Has
1: Delando, like, crying at the end almost.
3: Freaking pees his pampers. Uh, <laughs> those, those poor pansy dragon slayers. It, he never knew what was coming for him.
4: His whole fancy boy crew got taken out. They <laughs> had no one else to beat up when, you know, he failed. <laughs> Van was not having it anymore. I mean, it was cool to see that the show was willing to you know these characters have been antagonists the entire half of the show and then within five minutes they get wiped out because van just goes buck wild on them and it it was you
1: always felt that uh you know up until that point it always seemed like van was holding back yeah and it was like you know and and he specifically held back you know it wasn't one of these things and sometimes with um you know with mecha anime where you know the the ability of the suit and you know the, the the pilot just ends up using the ability to make maybe on accident or something like this he like really knew what the guy mellif you know what the escaflon was able to do and he just kind of and he got tired of those guys because i mean they <laughs> delando and his fancy boys man they became very irritating <laughs> they were very very irritating up to that point oh my god they were but um something you had said about the characters and I, i'd have to say um you know and you know, it's it's been noted. I'm not a huge, huge, like, character person when it comes to watching anime. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I like about this show, and I, I've seen there's kind of a return with it with some other shows recently. But kind of in between, it seemed like you always have the interesting main characters, but you had... This type of show, the, the supporting characters were just as interesting. And like you said, there was just enough that you saw them interact and do things within the show that it made it relevant that they were even there in the first place. You know, cause sometimes in these shows, it's like towards the end of the show, especially, and maybe that's because of the way the story is, but it seems like sometimes these, the, these supporting characters are kind of secondary. You know, and and they don't really play any role in the final battle. Cousy yeah. know?
3: Buzzkirk. Oh, oh man. Oh, oh, yeah.
4: oh man. Yep, I went there. Oh man, everybody's favorite. Um, everybody's favorite. soul bros, were you man? You're, you're still, you still, you still
1: experiencing the drunken effects of hate.
3: <laughs> Once the hate is inside you, it never leaves. Nice. It poisons your heart for all eternity.
1: But um, I mean, other than that, I mean, I, I I would say in in terms of if you're a fan of mecha anime, just like with *Dunbine*, this is something you might definitely want to see. I, I think in a lot of ways, you don't have to like see one for the other. I think if you're still kind of unsure about watching something that's fantasy laden, I would go maybe with *Escalone* first. First off, because it's shorter. It um, also
3: has a much more of a crossover appeal. Because, yeah. like I said, you know you know the shoujo show disguised as a mecha show yeah whereas dunbine is pretty much like out and out like a mecha show of the 80s yeah although it's interesting you know aside from the fantasy setting that uh, they both share in common you know the whole main character coming from earth to a fantasy world the whole Connecticut yankee in king arthur's court
1: yeah Motif or the englishman <laughs> in king arthur's court in the in, these, in the the Solbro way of um you know telling things yeah because because in Solbro's world it would be odd that an englishman would be in king arthur's court
4: <laughs> i suppose so <laughs>
1: I, i'd have to say that but I, I, and i mean you know of course and then maybe watch it done by down the late down the road to see the similarities of everything you know b- between the two shows
3: and also because there's just so little fantasy make it a watch anyway that yeah. these are like the two heavyweights yeah
1: and i guess the other one would be what ray earth yeah i mean that would be kind of the distant third possibly i would imagine
3: yeah distant very distant third yeah not it's a- that
1: it's a bad show
3: it's a good show but it's, it's, it's just a different kind of story and that story is you know deliberately constructed diff- at least in the first season to feel like you're playing an rpg yeah it has like you know one of those dragon quests final fantasy type of plots like you know proceeding through the world and getting the upgrades and fighting bosses until you know there's like the mind warp at the end of oh yeah everything you were doing was like totally not what you thought it was i need to get
1: the blue materia or heroic bsod (laughs) But, um, I, so,
3: yeah, you know, Ray Earth does rank there, but it's just a different kind yeah. of story. There's, I just
1: said that because there's just so few there, there's, of, there's of, this, another one. of these type of shows.
4: There was one that was really bad, I think. Um, I think it was based on Lord of Elemental or something like that. There's, there's one that's not mm-hmm. that great, and um, I can't remember what it's called now. I'll be honest. I Useless- mean,
1: I- you know, I'm I'm I have a pretty good sense of mecha shows, but it it, it only seems like it, it, it's like you know you have your super robots, your reels, and then like when it comes to this fantasy thing, it's like Dunbine and Escaflown and Dunbine and Escaflown.
3: <laughs> Interesting, also then that uh, since we mentioned rare, that that story is also earth people swept up to a fantasy world yeah yeah that's a an overall which seemed to theme. be like a recurring theme in the 90s in, in anime you had uh, roughly around the same time you had you know ray earth airing you had escaflowne obviously not a mecca show at all but uh fushigi yugi was a very big show in the mid 90s and that was another earth girl swept up yeah. to fantasy land story so I guess this was kind of like the thing to do in the mid '90s.
4: It's funny. I'm looking up at um, two wall scrolls in my house right now. One, and they're side by side for Shugi Yugi and um, Ray Earth. <laughs> as soon as you started, as soon as you brought that up, that's
3: a little trippy. But um, yeah, <laughs> we well, thought we'd mention that show in this podcast. Yeah, no doubt.
2: <laughs> don't
3: All get me wrong. I I, I I like that show, and I watched it. And that, that may be a surprising admission, but oh,
4: uh, no. Well, everything it's everything is
3: God's place. Everyone hilarious. thinks everyone thinks that I'm like. All mecha, all the time. Deep dark Mm -hmm. secrets coming out on Good Damn today. (laughs) I'm bearing my soul out to the universe. Oh man, for Yugi, write it down. Spit upon me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'll, I'll slowly reveal some of my anime likings because that'll be uh, that'll be real crazy. My definitely needle would stop there, but um, I, I think
3: we'll have to save that for a future segment of oh, anime man. confessionals. Nice. Yeah,
1: I guess any other talks about the the show?
3: I guess we. Um, can... Well, we should talk about uh, something that happens to the show. Unfortunately. Well, but, but before
4: we do that, um, I one other thing that I, I thought was really um cool about the show is um, somewhere halfway through, um, Van makes a blood pack with his um, with his mobile suit. I'm sorry. I can't believe guy (laughs) Melif damn Gundam Um, that that Neo brought up earlier and it kicks in halfway through the show. Oh, yeah. To the point where like if he takes if his suit, if the Escafone takes damage, he takes the exact same kind of damage as well on his body. And um, right after that, that that fight where he went buck wild, um, he he emerges from the suit. And when he does, his body's completely torn up and um i'm sorry that was actually before he went buck wild but um that was an interesting take on that to see that you know it he can't he can't just go out there willy-nilly and and fight people and take all this damage because he might end up dying and um i thought it was a, um, a unique uh factor in the show that um i haven't seen in many mecha that's
1: anime.
3: right i kind of forgot about
1: that yeah chris as
3: you, yeah what were, what, you what were you what were
1: you gonna say on or you you know, what, uh, was
3: something that unfortunately happened to this show which is uh fox oh, oh yeah oh, man. i thought you
1: actually meant in the story of the show okay yeah
3: <laughs> no fox uh yeah fox uh these these guys they're uh they're a real piece of work was that you fox know, fox
1: or fox kids that was i blame saban fox kids, fox mm-hmm. kids.
4: Yeah. i blame saban entertainment because i think they're the ones that um they're the ones that helped to produce the dub that aired on television.
1: Well, I blame George W. Bush, <laughs> even though he wasn't president. Anyway,
3: mm-hmm. anyway, so, uh, sorry, you know, sorry. It was you know the, the setting was the year 2000, and uh, Gundam Wing had obviously just been a huge hit. So you now you had a bunch of people um, scrambling to license uh, and broadcast anime to you know keep up with big hits like Gundam Wing and Dragon Ball Z and. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Fox Kids got their hands on *Escaflowne* rather than Cartoon Network, and um, they they watched it and uh, they didn't like what they saw, and they decided they needed to uh, improve it. <laughs> so they kind of did the same thing that um, that uh, was done to uh, *Cardcaptor Sakura*, where oh, yeah. they, they took they took um, that which was very clearly a shoujo show, and they chopped it up to two pieces and re-edited to emphasize the male lead more and make him the main character. Wow. That's kind of what they did with Escaflone. They cut out the first episode entirely, you know, because it was all, you know, girly stuff and, you know, Hitomi at school and blah, 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 even though there was, you know, a battle with a freaking dragon, but I guess that wasn't enough to offset the girliness, which they figured that nobody would want to watch. So they cut out that whole first episode, and then they cut out bits of later episodes so that they could include flashbacks of stuff from the first episode. Goodness. Which would be kind of helpful to know since that's the first freaking episode and sets up the whole story. Yeah. But they did that the ed- edits also included um, changing some of the music. Yeah. They actually they actually dared to touch Yoko Kano's score and put in like their own crap.
1: <laughs> awesome
3: where they got it from, and I don't understand like why they would feel the need to change that music, because it all worked so perfectly in every scene that was already scored. So, they did that. I think, after airing this travesty for a few weeks in America, it was finally just taken off the air, and I think it kept airing, edited only in Canada. Wow.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't know. I remember seeing like one or two episodes. It just, it
3: just disappeared down yeah. here after a while, and I was like, well, good riddance, because they, they royally screwed up an amazing show.
1: They murdered it. It was so bad that even the Robotech voiceover guy couldn't save it.
3: <laughs> what? Are you talking about the narrator?
1: Yeah. The... <laughs>
3: <laughs> Meanwhile, Rick Hunter ate a sandwich and then went to the bathroom and then clocked in back to being a Veritech pilot.
1: Vaughn bon just put on his leather moccasins. Now he's sharpening his sword. Balgus is in the background. Marisa told me, why is she here? She's not the main character. Back to Vaughn. Bon, but-
3: Meanwhile, Balgus was still dead.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, one, one, one other thing I'd like to mention about the soundtrack. It was, not only was it composed by um, Yoko Kano, but also in part by uh, Hajime Mizoguchi, who I believe is the husband of Yoko Kano. X. Oh, no. Oh, no. I, I'm, I'm a little behind the times then. <laughs> a <laughs> little behind the times but um yeah it was it was it was a collaboration I didn't even know who he was yeah. <laughs> damn
3: <laughs> he's uh he's a composer as well yeah um, he is I well,
1: just found that yeah. out but
3: and they were married but uh they divorced uh, 2 years ago
1: wow the things you learn they stopped making sweet music
3: <laughs> literally
1: literally <laughs> nice but um anything else on the show maybe we can touch upon the movie real quick sure thoughts on the movie
4: but other than looking gorgeous it's one of the worst anime movies I've I've, I've seen. Um, really, worse than Prince of Darkness. I actually like Prince of Darkness to to some degree. Wow. Um, Escaflone just made me angry when watching it. The the mm, exciting the anger. the movie. I mean, I was I was I was quite disappointed in what they decided to take the story. Um, Soul Bro Smash. I mean, yeah, yeah, man, freaking Falcon, man, Falcon, my boy. They completely made him an irredeemable villain in that yeah. I mean he was he was he was an antagonist in the in the TV show and he had a he, you know he had a hidden agenda which made him a good guy ultimately but in the uh movie he was just a villainous bastard killed his whole family and you know there was nothing redeemable about him and I mean other like I said other than the fact that it looked gorgeous and and it looks great on screen it's nothing more than eye candy and that's about it to me
1: Yeah, I'd probably have to agree with the same thing. It did look great, but it's once again one of those, you kind of wonder why they even do this stuff. And, um, you know, it just seemed like everybody was just a little bit different. It was just kind of boring to me i mean i wouldn't say it is as bad as prince of darkness i could watch it more than prince of darkness but um it's not that great i mean if you watch Escafloni, the vision of Escafloni, the show and then watch this or don't watch it you know you're not going to miss anything
4: I, w- I would suggest greatly that people watch the movie first before they delve into the tv show that way you you would appreciate the tv show more when you see it <laughs> <laughs>
3: Or or but if you don't like the movie and it makes you not want to watch the TV yeah, show. Yeah, that's
1: what I was about to say. You know,
4: I've actually met people that actually love the movie and hate the T V show. And I don't know I don't know what crack they're smoking, but you know <laughs> I just I just I can't I can't understand that. He's um, one of
1: those guys from Windsor.
4: Hey Oh oh Peter, man, hey, I'm I'm sorry.
1: Oh, I didn't say Peter, I just said there's <laughs> Windsor's a, you know, a medium sized city in in Peter, Canada. we love you, you know that. So Ontario, no. Canada. So I am so, bro.
3: Anyway. Chris. I would say that I kind of view the movie as its own thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, a lot is different from the show. And yeah. I can separate the two because if I didn't, there's a lot of things I wouldn't like, you know. Yeah. I wouldn't like that, you know, they changed Hitomi, as I pointed out in the discussion of the TV show, mm-hmm. of being a normal, well-adjusted high school girl to they made her all emo and depressive and suicidal. Yeah, yeah. Falcon, as was mentioned, went from being a sympathetic antagonist to just downright villainy. Yeah,
1: yeah it went from uh, Char Aznaval to Garenzabi. Zabi.
3: Yeah, Vaughn was kind of like this feral, kind of like almost beast guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the strengths of Escafonia was having very likable characters and the movie just kind of just went and changed all that around. Yeah. yeah. It was also very dark, not just in its story, but like literally, like if you look at it, it's just a dark movie. Yeah, like the way it's animated. Of course, it's gorgeous, and you know I don't mind that they experimented and they changed all the character designs. But it's just a very different beast from the TV show, and should be viewed that way. I mean, people who expect it to be kind of like, say, "Do you remember love?" Like, yeah. a telling are going to be in for a surprise because it's really like almost a totally different story. There's very little that the two have in common.
4: I guess that's my problem because that's what I expected it to be—kind of a "Do you remember love?" type retelling and. It ended oh, you up were disappointed then. Hey, you know, I set myself up for it. I set yeah, myself up for, for failure. it. I, I did like the fact that Van was a badass, and I did like Malerna being more of a badass. But um, other than that, hey, there's, there's, there's far more negative points for me than there are positive in, in the movie. And I guess one I'm thing before on
1: we have Solbro wrap this up and go to the next thing is uh, Chris, the nominations of Soul Bro's <laughs> man.
3: All of the Dragon Slayers. You You all suck.
1: Especially the apple bobbed cut, dude. Yes, Dottie.
3: Yeah, Man. he you was mean, the crossroad. I so, mean, uh, oh, ouch! No.
1: He was the one that got it bad too, didn't he? Well, they, they yeah, he like they did. Like the
4: other guys got they got killed, but the, he he got it especially bad. I, I think I think he's the one that got like the sword like on the top of his crown of his head. Yeah, like, you saw him like completely get smashed in the suit. Yeah,
1: like, ouch! It wasn't as it wasn't as funny as the guy that got his head his hair cut off in Dragonar though. That's still the funniest of of slapstick. Uh, I'm gonna die. Death things so but
4: <laughs>
1: alright anything else Solbro take us out
4: alright well if there's nothing else um, that was our overview our anime spotlight on the vision of Escaflone and the movie Escaflone and we'll be back in a few minutes with more Gundam at MAHQ
0: and talk fast, you lousy bum! We've been frantically trying to reach you, dude. Where is my gun-damn money, you bum? Well, well we... I I, I I, don't... They did not receive the money, you nitwit! They did not receive the money! Her life was in your hands!
4: This is our concern, dude.
0: No, man, nothing is f- here. Nothing is f- No, man. The gun-damn plane has crashed into the mountain! <laughs>
1: How is the food on, like on the streets and stuff, like the street vendors and
4: uh, and the, um, the some of the cafes?
3: So good! Really? It's oh, so good.
4: Did you um, did you go to any like mom and pop vendors on the street, like selling that's ramen? What I or? just asked. Uh, no, I'm just saying. <laughs> I, well, you asked restaurant. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't hear you I say mom street, and pop. I said street vendors. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well Adam, that's, that's Adam awesome. just you never listen. <laughs> Oh, I have a different question then. Um, did you ever? Did s- you go to the corporate street vendors
3: as opposed to the mom and pop ones? <laughs> and, and what was the dichotomy there between yes. the two? Did, did you did you did ask? you see did you see elements of class struggle? Did you see yeah. uh, the feudalistic vestiges of the client master relationship of the servant to the samurai lord? Yeah, how exactly. how did you? I, I, I didn't know I got a to countdown MSNBC. <laughs> Thank you, Bill Moyers. Why? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> why do you say that since I'm reading at Bill Moyers interview right now nice. as we speak? <laughs> nice, that's you know my boy right there. there. Did,
1: Love that guy. Of food though too. Did you go to um just to go? Because I've always done this when I've gone to different places too. Is like did you go to like uh, the KFCs and the McDonalds and stuff did just to see what they had?
0: Yeah, I had a uh, Tamago Double Mac, which is basically a double mac with cheese, bacon, and an egg muffin on
3: top. What? Oh, did awesome. did, did, did you go important. to uh, Pizza Hut to support the revolution? Yeah. <laughs> I find a Pizza Hut over there. I was looking for one. You're kidding. Oh, man. Dude, uh, you, you should have gone and had the freaking shrimp pizza, man. Yeah,
1: I, That would kill me. <laughs> the C2 special.
3: They were in alleyways that were darker than black. Gun.
2: Damn. Next
4: episode, you'll see the tears of time.
2: Suddenly, there was a terrible roar all around us. And the sky was full of what looked like huge bats, all swooping and screeching and diving around the car. And a voice was screaming, oh Holy Jesus, Jesus, where are, are these gundam damn animals?
4: This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by Godaddy.com.
3: Hey everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. This is Chris, and uh, we're going to be discussing a lovely topic, yet again, about deaths. In a recent episode, we discussed some of our favorite deaths, and uh, we have some user submissions for related topics that caught our attention. This suggestion comes from, asking the show preparation here at work, from Jabman025. AJ who said Considering all the death we had in the last episode, how about if you had a segment where if you could go back and change a series and save someone from death? We all know Sobro is gonna pick Emma, but I am curious about other deaths we all wish we could change. And, and so
1: I guess we could do the disclaimer like we did in the um, the like the favorite uh, funniest and horrifying deaths we'll um, you know we, we banned a day on we'll ban Emma from this discussion. And Yes. Emma and um, what was the uh, the other one that he has a, he had a problem with the girl from Dunbine
4: Emily Love? Yeah, Emil- yeah Emily Loofed
1: Emily Loofed yeah so I mean yeah, you that can't, was, you, that can't, was you, can't you can't take death, those two but, back man well, F y'all
3: <laughs> and A Dayan is still banned anyway and A
1: Dayan is banned too cause well dang yeah. any other things we should ban or I think we're good okay
3: so um, with that in mind we will take up uh, Jabman's uh, suggestion and let's run with the topic so I will kick it to you first, Solbro, and put you on the spot.
4: Man, are we um, are we just stuck with uh, mecha anime, or can we just go across the board if we wanted?
3: Yeah, let's try. Uh, to... I'll, I'll
4: I'll stick with the realm of sci-fi for now.
3: Mecha <laughs> slash sci-fi. Yeah. We'll come up close to that. Right on, right on. At least make the first one relevant. You All can
4: right. do other ones that aren't.
3: <laughs> I will go with um,
4: I will go with uh, Hot Ice Hilda from um, Outlaw Star. Granted, she had to die, but she was so cool. uh, that she'd stuck around in that, you know, you know, in that show, because she would have been interesting. But um, then again, Jean Starwin would have never stepped up to the plate to be the the captain if she was still around. She was she would have held him back. But I still think she was cool enough.
1: Probably would have stole
4: it from them, man. She that was going to be her ship, completely different. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I suppose you're right. That and the. um, we mentioned her last uh, the last time we talked about death. Uh, the young girl that um that Jim Hawking fell in love with in um, Outlaw Star also. Yeah, but she was a baddie though. She was a baddie, but you know baddies sometimes flip flip you know flip to the other side. Yeah, Just I depends. I but, thought um, you were gonna say Jared Mesa. <laughs> Never, not in my lifetime, sir, not in my lifetime. But Neo, how about you?
1: Uh, the most obvious Char Aznable.
3: Oh. <laughs> No, dude, he survived. He did unicorn.
4: Wow. Well, I, I still think I, st- I still think that's open to interpretation. Well, but, um, the I mean, somewhat official line is that they're both dead. So really? Yeah, man. So,
3: dude, it's I been settled th- for twenty-one years. Well, I want
4: to see bodies.
3: I want to see some no, bodies. Either. Hey. uh... <laughs> Just because you didn't see Jimmy Hoffa's body, do you think he's alive? Yeah. You know, he's, he's,
4: he's, he's, li- he's living with Elvis and, um, and Tupac. Living with
3: uh, Elvis and, and Tupac and <laughs> Jackson and Walt Disney. And Walt Disney. <laughs> who's still working for the FBI.
1: Exactly. I thought he ate young Cuban children.
3: <laughs> That's how he worked for the FBI. He ate, he ate communist children.
1: Which I'd have to say is one of the few funny points of Robot Chicken. Ouch. But... Um, yeah, of course, Char. Sure. I mean, because it was kind of, I guess it was abstract at points, you know, how it is. But, you know, in an unprotected escape pod next to an asteroid burning up in the Earth's atmosphere, I'm pretty sure that he got killed. And um, that's kind of been the official line because, you know, hey, we, we wish we could have more. But we, can ob- we always probably could. But you just hate to see characters like that go.
4: I'd like to think that Amaro busted out the Gundam Condom one last time. <laughs> well, Armour would have been a bitch about it.
1: Because Armour, remember, Armour went back into bitch mode in Shard's counterattack. He did. So. Full, full time,
3: too. Yeah. Jesus.
1: <laughs> but, uh, Chris, what would be your uh,
4: turn back the clock death?
3: I'm going to start with the uh, most obvious one that we would all agree on. Hmm. Odello Henrik from V Gundam. Yeah.
4: <laughs> he he did, definitely didn't deserve to die at
1: all. Him, and I'd, I'd say honorable mention to um, Connie, like, the last strike girl that, like, you seemed like she was about to make it to.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And she got smoked, just like Odella. Got what? smoked by the, the Katagina massacre. Because Odella was really bad, because it was, like, wasn't there, like, basically an armistice? <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, um, this was in the last... That was, that was when Uso's mother died.
1: No, 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 like, pretty much the final battle... I'm not saying, like, armistice-to-armistice like that, but, like, pretty much it was, like, the battle was just about to conclude.
3: Not quite, almost. What happened was... um like, he was going to attack Katagina, but then, like, oh, that's right. weird psychic stuff started happening with Angel Halo, and then it made him, like, pause, and that's when she sliced him up, and then he started having, like, weird hallucinations about his parents, and then, poof, exploded. Yeah. And, to, and as soon as I saw that, and to this day, it's like, damn, that still hits me as, like, out of all of the people that like Tamino has massacred in all of his shows... That's just the one that to me just seems so wrong. Yeah. Like, man, that guy didn't deserve to have that after he went through this whole show, starting off as this punk rap scallion, and then you know, kind of becoming this fighter, and then becoming a Malo suit pilot, and making it through all of that, just to get snuffed like that at the very end. It's like, damn. Yeah, and it was kind dude of deserve, s- dude deserved better than that. And, it, and
1: it was bad too. I, I agree because you're by that point in that show, you're just so desensitized to like named characters just getting off in just horrible brutal ways. But yeah, that one just seemed like it was just really unnecessary. Like, oh man, you know, didn't, didn't we just have enough death?
3: I don't know if I'd say it's unnecessary. It certainly adds further sting to Oh yeah. You know, in that series that nobody's safe. Yeah. Especially the good guys because, you know, as we pointed out when we talked about that show, there's more good guys dying in that show <sighs> than bad guys, which is pretty <laughs> rare for anime usually it's it's the other way around yeah, yeah that's true you got a steady diet of the protagonist's death in that show <laughs> yeah and from the very beginning unlike you know say zeta where you know the massacre is all at the end or dumbbine where the massacre is all at the end in uh, victory you know you got people dying from the very beginning like you know the the resistance leader getting guillotined yeah Jeez. You know, and then just the shrikes and all this other stuff. So, you know, you just have consistent death, but even then, it's like you still get shocked by some of these deaths, like Odello or Uso's mother. Yeah. So, back to you, Solbro.
4: Back to me, huh? Well, I'm going to take it old school to original Mobile Suit Gundam. My man, Slager Law. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you were going to say Ryu. Ryu was kind of necessary because he was Senpai. Slager Law, he was senpai to a point, but he'd already shown up late enough in the show that he should have got a pass, but yeah. they felt the
3: need to kill him off, too. Hey, he's a, the big American guy. He has to die. Yeah. Oh, jeez.
4: But, um, I mean, granted, if if Slager lived, that means Hathaway would have never been born, and that would have made the universe a much better place. Wow. <laughs> uh, you guys got beef with cots, man. I got more beef with Hathaway. That douche. <laughs>
1: Hathaway, man, that's, that's big time beef. Considering he should have been like a slash in the pan
3: of Hathaway, and- yeah, but you know what? Even if Slager had survived, mm-hmm. he and Mirai would have just been like. It's just some quick battlefield sex, man. Yeah, you know what? She would have. She would have still gone home to Bright in the end. So. You think so,
4: man? I would have liked to think Bright would have got with that blonde chick and Double Zeta instead. That'd have been his reward. A lot, a lot of more uh, years waiting uh, for uh, that. A, but a, a lot of things would have changed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Bright may have not have lived up to that point. I don't know, but I think Slegger would have made it. Another honorable mention from that show is the redhead girl that um, Kai befriends. The spy... oh, uh, Miharu. Miharu, yeah. the spy for the Xeon. Um, that was a sad story but I guess it was necessary for his character development but, yeah. it was
3: but it was definitely very sad especially like with these two like little uh, siblings of hers that are yeah. just like you just see their interactions and it's like these are just like the saddest little kids yeah makes
4: me wonder if Kai ever went back to check them to,
3: to check them out I think he did I'm sure he did probably since you know she had such a huge effect on him. Yeah. Like but it obviously it was. was still in the middle of the war, so... Hopefully it didn't start the death. He, maybe, he wrote a, maybe he wrote a feature story on them as a dashing journalist. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> and we're our cross with um, Indiana Jones. <laughs>
2: exactly.
1: But Neo, back to you. Well, the death I'd like to see be taken back would be um, Haman Khan. Yeah. Because uh, that was such a punk way of going. <laughs> and it just... Talk about just, you know, being really uh, undramatic and and not really relevant and just for such a good character to have such kind of a blasé kind of ending. It's just like, ugh, I don't know. I mean, and and especially how well she was treated throughout that whole show, like we stated before in Double Zeta that, you know, besides all the ridiculous antics of everything else, of all the other characters in there, she was still pretty much treated as, you know, the, the... you know the mon from zeta so mm. you know just to do such a you know i can't face up the things and it's it's easier just to give judo a, a cheap victory by crashing myself into a uh an asteroid it's just <laughs> like oh man
3: chris well you, you stole a bit of my thunder there because i was gonna say uh, too but uh, she 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 deserved better for being such a uh strong character and such a yeah such a good villain than to go the easy way out but then again it's like i don't know if i'd be uh satisfied if like judo had beaten her and killed her because you know as we discussed before you know she was such a skilled pilot that camille and char couldn't even touch her and then a punk like Judo would come along, and he, and he kicks her ass. Well, I'm, So if he had killed her, I don't know if that would have been worse. Well, yeah. I, don't, I don't even know if you have
1: to have it worse. She would have to kill him, I mean, or he would have to kill her. It's just like, couldn't they just fight to a draw,
4: and then they retreat? I would have liked it if, um. and this is some fanboy ass stuff. I don't I'll know, man. The aside from,
3: aside, from, the, uh, aside, from, aside from the Frost Brothers, uh, most of the time, Gundam villains always die at the end. Yeah, I know. know. I mean, so... It's just kind of expected. I mean,
4: I would I would have liked it if um if if in the end because they kind of had a a cool dynamic throughout the show for Double Zeta the fact that she was afraid of him and yet intrigued by him kind of the
3: the petal bear uh, yeah,
4: <laughs> mechanic. a moth being drawn to the flame yeah the pretty much the the petal bear type but uh I just um always thought that those two would end up being um you know the relationship between them would like develop into something like in the end he'd end up um leaving off the Jupiter with her or something like that instead of um Ruluka which i didn't see any kind of connection between those two throughout double zeta you know they had like a working relationship but when it came to anything more than that i, I don't i didn't really see it yeah. it's just a fanboy in me looking for um something more just to see Haman make
3: it but
1: well since i sold your thunder is there anything any other one that you want before we go back to Solbro on that, or
3: yes, uh, going back to uh, MSG again, Miss um, Ms. Matilda. Ha, 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 yeah, Do it.
1: But Woody, Miss... Woody would have to stay dead.
2: Woody,
3: <laughs> yeah, Woody was a punk. You know, how the hell do you think that you're going to use some some dork punk ass hovercraft and fight Char with that? Yeah, I not
1: that. I don't even know what that thinking was.
3: I mean, he was just in this stupid looking, broke down piece of crap that probably had like little pea shooter machine guns
1: and it was like open air cockpit too wasn't
3: it yeah i think so and it's like you see a red mobile suit and you think you're gonna win against that yeah think again buddy
1: it's like the ridiculously powered prototype mobile suit is having trouble with a red zaku how are you going to inflict anything when you see you know uh, a red mobile suit show up and <laughs> everybody's going
3: it's sharp or more like you know also the the old guy in the zaku one who uh, he tried to uh, tackle <laughs> the Gundam space, and that didn't quite work out for him.
1: Oh, the the guy that was, like, stuck in the supply course?
3: Yes. <laughs> I'll show you, Char, how it's done. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yes, Miss Matilda, so hot, so dedicated to her job, putting her life on the line to make sure that those uh, supplies get through. The post office would be proud of her. Yes, Except for
1: salt. That was the one thing they couldn't get on those Medeas was enough salt. <laughs>
3: you know, they can stock ugly-looking tank planes Yeah, and and weapons and and like plutonium, but uh, they just can't carry that salt. special ingredients.
1: No boxes or a couple canisters of Morton's in there. (laughs) Nope. Captain,
3: we must stop for salt. (laughs) We're gonna die without the salt. So anyway, back to you, Solbro. I have an obscure
4: one. I don't know if you guys have seen the show this far along, but in Argento Soma, there's a girl named Guinevere Green, and there is a point in the show where she almost dies, I mean, to the point where you've completely written off her character, because, you know, she's, like, stuck in a situation where, it, like, there's no escape, yet towards the end of the episode, the main character and his team managed to save her in the end. But what you didn't know is that she had a fatal condition or a, a disease or an ailment that ended up killing her anyway. in the final episode... You see that um, it's a couple years in the future, like five, maybe six years, and you're catching up with everybody, and her cameo is her grave headstone. (laughs) <laughs> when, when one of the characters goes to visit her i was like what the hell happened <laughs> i was like i didn't even know she was dying from something and she's just dead it's like come on man she's like one of my favorite characters in the show because she was like the sensible one in the group she's the one that like kept everybody together and just to find out that she just up and died years later i was like come on man <laughs> but um she was one of my favorite characters in the show and i was sad to see that she had died abruptly neo you're
1: up well who else but uh but Roy and,
4: uh, oh, man. Not and
1: uh, original uh, Macross.
3: Maybe not. Should, ne- he have, should he have had a pineapple cake? Would that have saved him?
1: I think so. <laughs> I think so. I mean, he should have should have developed a sweet tooth instead of watching his weight. So, <laughs> but um, I don't know necessarily if it was. It would be a thing of like death. But the death so early, you know, well, it was halfway through the show, but still i mean sometimes you'd rather see those guys get get off in the uh final battle mm-hmm. but you know it's 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 a popular device that they use you know especially with the the young protagonist to to gain' them on you know he he had that great you know the just the the complete difference of um you know responsibility and how he acted and all that so i guess one of his um one of his descendants uh uh got mi- awesome. mi- yeah no he got miraculously saved so <laughs> but not in a good way but uh that that would be mine, Chris.
3: I'm going to uh, go a little bit more uh, rare on this one. Wow. Uh, Fiana from uh, uh, Votome's Shining Heresy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because, you know, the whole story of, as you see in Votome's Paul, you know, sort of the improbable love story of yeah. cold-hearted Shiriko <laughs> QV and uh, this chick who's just so totally devoted to him. Yeah. And, you know, he becomes more human over the course of the series. And yeah. then they kind of get their little happy ending where they both go into deep sleep together naked and then get jettisoned off into space well doesn't quite end so happily for them since they both get defrosted 30 years later in shining heresy and unfortunately she gets captured and because you know her body depends on this gejerium stuff to live he keeps trying to get to her and by the time he finally does get to her it's too late oh my god yeah now he's he's stuck in the future alone and wandering yet again and all of his old friends from the TV series are probably dead by now, because it's been like 30 years more, and who knows how many freaking wars there have been since then. So, <laughs>
4: I mean, man, I, I I never saw the OVA, but to hear that, that's that's really sad, man. Dang, I don't even. He's he's just destined to have like horrible stuff happen. Yes, he's
1: just that poor guy that's never gonna get the happy ending.
3: He's never gonna get the happy ending, but <laughs> he's gonna make sure that. Uh, you're messed up for trying to mess him up. Oh yeah, <laughs>
1: people will people will pay for their transgressions. People, will, people
3: will pay for making him miserable. So at least he has you know that uh, that that measure of something to take from that. But that's just his destiny to wander alone and unhappy.
4: You can bank on that. Dang, I, you, so- man, you just hit me with some with some somber knowledge, man. Damn. Well, um, this is a this is a big one in my book. Are oh, um, you going invoke the statute of limitations on that one? <laughs> hey, that happened 15 years ago. Oh, damn you. <laughs> You and your statute of limitations. But um, this is a big one that would have probably changed the series a great deal if he'd lived. I, I can't believe I didn't say this earlier, but probably one of the deaths I could take back or wish I could take back is Guy Daigoji in um, our G- Yamada Jiro Yamada in um, Martian Successor Nadesco. He died way too soon, and I understand the point of it. You know, a heart blooded dude like that, you figure that, you know, he'd end up being Senpai for a little bit longer. But no, third episode completely capped. It was surprising to see, but I should have expected it, but I just didn't see it coming that soon. And I think if he stuck around a little bit longer we'd have got a lot more comedic scenes between him and Akito. And I guess um that's I'll leave that up to the Super Robot Wars series. Uh if I wanna <laughs> see him live, I'll play those games, I guess. <laughs> he'll he'll live forever. I, yep. Him and uh... him and Bernie.
1: <laughs> him and Bernie. Yeah. Him and, him and him and can be the uh, wingmen in the new the new Super Robot. Hell wars, yeah, right? man! They will form their own union. Oh, well, of course I'm gonna say Lelouch because with, oh, if no. if he stayed alive, <laughs> I could read more horribly written fanfiction.
4: fiction. because <laughs> no. that's what the world needs. No,
1: actually, no, actually that was just a joke. No, actually the one I would is I've mentioned it before. And it is—it's a, a supporting character. It's the—and um, I always forget the guy's name, but Chris, that Ashimar pilot and Zeta in the battle over Dakar. Uh, oh, like,
3: uh, Addis Aziwa. Yeah. The one good Titan other than Emma.
1: Yeah, the one time you think, you know, and it would maybe make sense that maybe down the road you'd have another guy, you know, maybe say, oh, maybe this stuff's not right and switch sides and he would have been a great secondary pilot to put there, you know, because I think Roberto is gone, Apelik gets killed, you know, a soon couple, after. Soon after. Yeah, he
3: would have been an interesting guy to like be in the mix later on, stick him yeah. in a, in a Dias.
1: Yeah, or maybe he just has the and they paint it AU colors or something. You know that that would have been cool sure. too. But um. Was not to be. No. No. We got Bodhi instead. <laughs> he
3: died too. Yeah. <laughs> but Chris? Since you mentioned Lelouch uh, I was going to go <laughs> on the subject of uh, Code Geass anyway but I wasn't going to say him although he certainly I was joking ranks now. up there but his death kind of was fitting given like the whole story but uh, the one that I would take back um, even understanding its importance in the story but still uh, Euphemia. Yeah, yeah. She she was a nice girl, and, uh, you know, she, a little bit on the naive side, but, you know, she, she always had, you know, the best intentions in heart, and even with her shining optimism, still managed to accomplish, without violence, the very thing that Lelouch was trying to do. Yeah. And, obviously, she did not deserve what happened to her, even though, you know, Lelouch regretted it still. For all eternity, her, her name has been... Uh, destroyed and you know there was so much that she probably could have done had she lived I, I mean, thought
1: you were going to say Bradley Bra- <laughs> <laughs> I mean you gotta admit though hey, her-
3: Bradley's a fat guy he's, he's, he's destined to die it was <laughs> funny though because
1: he lasted so
3: long he did he got through so many scraps and then oh my god it was Mr. Nine Lives <laughs> I give that guy an honorable mention just just for just having the worst luck in the world
1: the worst luck but the best luck <laughs> Because worse luck being in the wrong place, but somehow making it out of there.
3: Well, best luck until it ran out, and then it became worse luck. Oh,
1: Ooh. yeah. Definitely became real bad luck.
4: Yeah, you got to admit, though, Euphemia's turn at that point in the series was completely out of the blue. I mean, it made for such a great scene. A oh, I know, and I said, scene, you know, I recognize yeah. the importance oh, yeah. of it
3: dramatically and in the story, but we're just talking here about wish fulfillment, not about. Oh, yeah.
4: Yeah. Oh so story implications, but I mean, if any character to do that to, that was the character. Most definitely. but I agree with you, man. I'd I'd have liked her her to have lived or I would like to have that not have happened at all for the sake of her character, nothing more. But um, Yeah, but it
1: had to show how much of
4: a bastard Lelouch could be. Yeah, yeah, that's true, and how, how badly it would warp him too. But yeah, I guess my next one is um Lila Mira Lila from um Zeta Gundam. Um, I mean, her, granted, her death did have a big effect on um, dumbass Jared Mesa, but um, I just would've... yeah, all, all
3: the good that did him. <laughs> I'll avenge you, Lila. Damn it! I'll avenge you too, Kakra Khan.
4: <laughs> I Got a grocery list of people to avenge.
3: But I end can't of the fight show. like this.
4: <laughs> I can't fight
3: like this. If it wasn't for the Gundam, I would have won. If it wasn't for Camille, I would have won.
4: But um. She, I think, should have stuck around a little bit longer, given the fact that she had history that probably went back to the One Year War, and it would have been nice to see more about her. In the in she the, wasn't the, that episode. old, dude. She wasn't that old. I mean, she'd been around a while, though. I
3: mean, God, yeah, I, but I'm, you're talking
1: like seven, eight years. So, I mean, she unless
3: was... unless she was like some kid pilot running around like Amuro, she yeah wasn't old. I, yeah.
4: I they, n- they never implied that. I, I thought she was kind of like Rekawa, where she you know was affected by the war in some way, shape, or form, or had some hand in in the One Year War. But you know, teenage rebel. She was a veteran by the time. Zeta rolled around and for her to get taken out so quickly like that. Veteran of the simulation. <laughs> she wasn't Patrick pa- she wasn't Patrick bad, but
1: two hundred she- kills on the old uh simulator. I
4: think I think she would have done more for the for the show if she stuck around just a little bit longer. But not not much and more. Maybe Jared might have tapped that. Maybe, 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 and she would have broken off. <laughs> but um, Neo, who's your next guy?
1: My next one it'd be a course would be Trace Kushranata. Oh, I mean, the fact that he just gets gimped halfway through the show by just being, you know, kind of forgotten about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was killed. I mean, I guess Wufei could claim credit for it, but, I mean, really...
2: Didn't expect to win! You know,
1: it it was just Trey's, um, you know, sitting there and being the uh, kind of the proto-Lelouch in some ways of trying to have all the blame go on him. But it would have been kind of nice to see him maybe sprout back up an endless waltz, i.e. maybe like uh counter counterattack or something instead of um the Mari Mea. Instead of
3: trace's loins counterattack? Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> instead of the, the Mari Mea perfect grade hour and a half commercial for uh, all the Gundams and, and the the other suits. But like we said, I mean he was just such a such a kind of a great guy and, you know, kind of that great Villain, and it would have been nice to see him, you know, at least make it out or or been killed in a little bit better way, but. That would be mine.
3: I'm going to mention someone who I'm surprised neither of you have mentioned so far. Hmm. Go ahead. My man, the wild bear himself. Oh. oh, yeah. Damn. As we discussed during, you know, that episode review, he didn't deserve that sh- Shush. from that little punk-ass bitch of a son of his. He really yeah. didn't. Talk about the apple falling far from the tree. Pretty much. A- another disappointment of a great man spawning a miserable failure, just like Bryce Noah. <laughs> oh, <Ouch>. Halfway. <laughs> the runoff had to go somewhere (laughs) yes i guess uh, guess lightning can't strike twice can it not at all oh
4: man that is true (laughs) that was quite a tragedy to watch i mean just to see him just give up to his son of all people to give up to it's like you know what i'm not going out like this
1: (laughs) well it's not even the fact of giving up i mean his bitch-ass son just shot him in the back like a common criminal man or you know like a like a deer I mean, it's like what you do to deer, do no, that to your dad just because you're pissy. Because uh, he shot her, he shot her right. he in the
4: back. But dude. his father, brightly, Hercules. wasn't going to uh, wasn't going to attack him. The most he knew yeah, his father was going to do was to defend a- against him, and he wasn't. A, he was not even. He was in a lesser suit too. So I mean, he took advantage of that, that's and a,
1: that's a that's a punk move right there.
4: It was a punk bitch move for certain. And um, Andre, you'll you'll forever be put on because of that. <laughs> Big but, Bear, um, <laughs> I
1: forgot about him. Oh, Pedo Bear. Or Papa Bear. Papa Bear. Man. Any
4: last ones or any honorable mentions, I, I guess? Was just, I was just about to name my last one and my honorable mention. My last one is um Julia from Cowboy Bebop. I wish she didn't die because that means her and Spike would probably had a much better ending. For, or, or, I, I guess you couldn't really... I don't know. You couldn't sidestep the tragedy the, was, in that finale.
1: She was a cause of a lot of those problems. She was? Because she was double-dipping. <laughs> And literally, yeah, oh, man. yeah. Oh. I mean,
3: <laughs> she was getting double I can,
1: dipped. I can see in I can see in one way, but maybe
3: in some of those uh, some of those uh, those hentai uh, <laughs> comics that you read, Soul bro Yeah, I the mean, woman
1: in that show I would say would be the chick from the uh, first episode that was stuck with the stupid, yeah, dumbass drug that, dealer, for yeah. <laughs> Showing how sometimes women can get stuck with the wrong dude and just be loyal to the end, and maybe so. Yeah, I, I could kind of see Julia, but eh. I mean, I mean, from what they intimate in yeah. some of those scenes and all that, and it's like, ooh. I mean, I mean, she was a
4: gangster's mall, man, and the the the, the uh, dude she was stuck with was vicious, man. There ain't no way to get out of that without things getting worse. Know. But I mean,
1: you gotta know, you gotta know sometimes what you're getting into when a guy's <laughs> name is Vicious, he may not be that great of a guy. He may not. There could be a possibility he might kind of go
4: crazy on you yeah. <laughs> and be
1: a little possessive. Maybe have a hint of megalomania
4: in him. Just a scotch. Just, just a tad. <laughs> <laughs> just a scotch. My um my other death I I, I really wished it didn't see happen was um Nicholas Wolfwood from Trigon. The fact that the man had finally found a purpose in living as he was dying. And the the scene that always gets me is when he's there on the altar and he's actually like he's he's mortally wounded and he's praying. And then in the last moments of his life he's begging not to die. And then he's dead and when Vash finds him, it completely screws him up. But he was such a cool character in that show, you expected him to to, to, to make it through and then they kill him right before the end and i guess it was the last notch on vash's belt before he finally broke down and killed someone but <laughs> that death always hit me for the fact that you know he finally found a purpose in living right before he died and i think that kind of sucked for him to go out like that but, yeah, but it was me for a lot of people though yeah but i mean I, i've never shows. saw that in an anime before where someone is actually going through the, the the last moments of their life and um you know they're they're finally getting you know every the 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 meaning of you know their life so far happened and, to Vegeta and 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 yeah, yeah, yeah that Vegeta is true. Got
1: back, he was able to come back
4: he got wished back you <laughs> know <and> wishing <laughs> back in <and> Trigun <laughs> but um and the fact that he fell in love and you know he fell in love with um I forget her name Millie yeah the, yeah, so. yeah yeah the, the, the Amazon chick and you know they had something going on kind of behind closed doors and then when he died that that completely wrecked her too and it was it was a strong scene and it, it made that, it, it added a little oomph to the Trigon Toys. Oh, wow, on
1: that depressing note. <laughs> um,
4: but go ahead. One I'd like to see back, just because I
1: thought how ridiculous this guy was, and it's like he was probably going to have to die anyways just because he was just like secondary, goofy pilot, but would be uh, Clark Gable from turn A. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he would have, because uh, it seemed kind of unnecessary that, you have to take out one guy with a with a nuke. But um, I guess it, ta- it talked about how much of, how awesome he was. But he was just so stupid and ridiculous that he was. You know, it just—he was that—he was that rare mixture of kind of annoying and funny on the same time when he'd get up there. Cause he was—he was kind of irritating, especially the he, first. He did
3: couple. kind of—he uh, he kind of laid on thick with Soshi.
4: Oh my God! You
3: know, one day he's like, "Hey, baby, what's going on?" Next day, like, "Here's a wedding dress for you."
4: So she couldn't catch a break, man. She, Wasn't she there in her wedding dress, like, the day he died?
3: And no, no, no. She wore the wedding dress later so yeah. that she could cry out to the direction where he was evaporated so she could say, don't I look beautiful in my wedding dress? Yeah. Damn. With with the guy that she really had the thing for driving the mobile Cold. suit. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Who later rejects her. Yeah. Talk but not before giving her a kiss. Damn.
1: Yeah. Leading her on even more so.
3: That's bittersweet. <laughs> Like sorry, I prefer your fake non sister to you. <laughs> I'm sure he said like, I prefer your fake non sister to you, soshi ojo so nicely and politely too. No, oh, I know. And Laurent, he's a heartbreaker. <laughs> he, is. he is. Ask, ask, uh, ask Gwen Lineford, man. Nobody's heart got broken more than that guy. Oh, please, nobody. He was. He loved that boy so much. He did, man. <laughs> 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 the original pedal bear. Which, which, uh, no, that's, that's more like, like Tranny Bear. Oh, yeah, yeah true. And true. that thing for Laurent, which, which prompted, uh, what's her name, uh, Lily to say, like, hey, uh, you know, you like him. You like him. He's a man. If you like him so much, go wear a skirt. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why we
1: love Lily. That, and I'd probably say some of the other ones would be, um, just in, in may more recently would be poor Michael from Frontier. Oh, yeah. um, you know it, the same old thing like you like you just said with wolfwood um, guy that finally figures out something to live for and then ends up just getting and then just getting <laughs> done out off in a really bad bad
3: way murked
1: but certain. um that
3: what i want to know is with michael like aside from being just a dumbass and bling being like so blind to uh, how clan clan felt for him he he would he would make the stupid crack like You know, like, hey, if I did stuff to you while you were in that size, I'd be, like, arrested for it. Yeah. And I think to myself, are you a moron? Can you not remember what your predecessor with the Blue Valkyrie and the glasses did? Yeah. You size yourself up, and then you tap that. Yeah. But obviously, uh, he was uh, too dense to uh, realize this amazing possibility. Well, and
1: probably felt inadequate because you're you're talking, you know, the true genius of stuff. So it's like... He could not compare. I mean, the guy had a movie made after him. For God's sakes! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was like the most celebrated couple in, in Macross history.
4: History books. Yeah, he's in them. <laughs> yes. Unlike Michael. Damn, Michael. Damn, you should have figured things out a little sooner. That and my last one would be Howard
1: Mason. Howard Mason.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Howard Mason. <laughs>
3: What well, would that have changed?
2: <laughs> Nothing.
3: He would have just been a, a, a Jinx pilot later and died again anyway because every single one of them died except for Patrick.
1: <laughs> oh, man. But that would be mine. Chris, follow, finish this up.
3: Okay. Uh, I would say for like my last main one, um, Rosamia Badam from uh, Zeta. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because she was just a tragic character from the very get-go because – yeah. Obviously, from her very first appearance, she's crazy, you know, going on about, hey, you making the sky fall, and, oh my god, the Armageddon, and, ah! But when you see her come back later, when the Titans, like, mess her up and make her, like, Camille's fake sister, and even after that, when they mess her up more, it just, again, as I said, when we talked about Zeta long ago, it just illustrates how the Titans will use someone to get what they want and achieve their goals, and that they literally just destroyed this poor girl's mind yeah. with no regard for her being a human being they just like tore it to pieces and just left her like totally broken and it really hits you when you know right when she dies when she's in the, the psycho mark 2 and she's just totally insane and babbling like a maniac and you can just sort of feel the the pain that Camille's going through when he decides like that he has to you know take her out and he just shoots her right through the cockpit
1: it's almost like when you got like put an animal down or something (laughs) you know it's like you 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 don't want to and you feel sorry for them but you know it's the the best thing for them and yeah i I could see that i i know a lot of people hated her in that show and and a lot of people feel that like that whole thing with her was just kind of unnecessary but when at the end when you see the just the way that she does go kind of psycho it does kind of make sense with um all the stuff at the beginning I mean, what they were doing, and oh, yeah.
3: Not just that, but you know, it it and its lack of being in the third movie very yeah. much illustrates the um, at least in the TV show the way his character developed the downward spiral that Camille started going into. Yeah. yeah. Towards the end, when you know he visibly becomes pessimist and he just becomes very very negative. Because he he really he really liked her, you know, and he, he did. And, and he really he wanted, wanted to, to.
1: Yeah, he wanted to help her. It was just that everyone else was telling her that he just needed to. You know, not do it. But I mean, I mean,
4: was there a point to go through the same the same thing though again? I mean, I mean, they they introduced her way back when, and she was almost forgotten until so they brought her back. And it was you know after after Ford's death, where we kind of went through the pains of that twice. Quite honestly, I mean, the first time we thought she was dead, then the second time she dies on screen, and um, we went through that, and then Rosamia gets brought back. I think it'd have been more meaningful if they actually, if he was actually able to save her than to experience the, the same heartbreaking situation again. But here's uh, the difference, though. Yeah. You know,
3: Four was just as crazy and as babbling. Yeah. But uh, she was taken from him because Jared killed her. Yeah. But then put into that same situation again, he realized what he had to do. Yeah. And then he killed Rosamia. True. Because you've got to remember that. So that, that kind of balances it out. You've you got to remember that they, they,
1: they treated those new types, like that, especially those cyber new types, they were just pieces you know, they, they were just parts to the mobile suits. Yeah. And, you know, the Titans, they didn't care. Even if that, whoever won that war, what was going to be her fate if she survived? I mean, <laughs> come on. You, you, you can't do that. But I guess the brain was already pudding.
3: Yeah. And I would say, as my honorable mention, uh, Tetef Halley from Turn A Gundam. Yeah. Not just because she was a busty redhead. Aww. Definitely that. But also, uh, you know, she was just a very sort of, like, misunderstood person. And definitely was very bitter because of the effects of moon racism yeah. <laughs> since uh you heard it here first gang you know they, they they couldn't quite accept her and uh you know she had all of those problems and she just wanted to just be accepted and be understood because she was just seen as like earth race trash and even though her death happened like just before the middle of the series it comes back to you later on way later once they finally get to the moon and they start defrosting people, and you see uh, her young mother. Yeah. Asking about her. Yeah. Oh wow. And that just kind of brings it all back to the forefront for just that one minute. That's a very effective short scene, you know, because it's just there for It's sort of more one of those things of you blink and you miss it. Yeah. But if you were paying attention, then you realize like, hey, that was her mother who was in stasis. Mm-hmm. and now is looking for her daughter who is dead
4: <laughs> That's that sucks I mean I, I, I didn't pick up on that on the first viewing but probably because of the crappy translation I had <laughs> I need to rewatch that show then because I completely
3: missed that you do so that being said uh, I think we've Gone through quite an extensive list of deaths we wish we could undo. I'm sure there were others that uh, we'll probably think of after this, but we only have so much time to do these things. So with that, that brings this next discussion of death to a close, and hopefully we'll move on to happier topics. Next episode. Next, we're going to talk about life. Yes.
4: <laughs> well, I guess
1: we won't be talking about any Tamino works then. Oh,
3: we're gonna... burn! Only if it's happy Tamino. Yeah. <laughs> but. With that, uh, that wraps up this segment. You are listening to Gundam at MAHQ.
0: I know you. And I know when you got something brewing. I know it.
4: What I got brewing?
2: You yeah. What I got brewing, right? You tell me.
4: You done lost your damn mind.
3: Need a cake but you don't want something boring from the local supermarket or bakery? In the South Florida area, try epicsugarworks.com. This bakery specializes in creating cakes based off of your favorite anime series, video game character, or whatever custom design you're looking for. Their online store also features anime and video game themed chocolate lollipops, as well as gift certificates if you want to give something to somebody. So if you're looking for a cake that's above the norm, Go to epicsugarwurst.com. It's epically delicious. Gundam!
4: Hey gang, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. We're closing out episode 37 here, where we shined a spotlight on the anime, The Vision of Escaflowne, and its uh, movie, Escaflowne. Also, we discussed deaths that we wish we could take back or... change in in the animes that we've enjoyed throughout the years. Any last thoughts from you guys? Um, No. Stay away from fire. There you go, man. <laughs> Some of the websites that you should definitely check out from us are, are um, maHQ.net where the, where the magic begins and also Gundam.net where you can download the latest episodes of Gundam. You can reach us by email by sending an email to Gundam, M-A-H-Q, at gmail.com. And you can find us on MySpace, Facebook and spill.com as, as well as other, whatever brand
1: new other there. social networking thing that replaces those yeah. in, in the next six, <laughs> six to eight months.
4: And, um, if you, if, you, or um, six to eight days. Or whatever. Yeah. If you want to keep up with uh, events having to do with MAHQ and Gundam.net, check out um, MAHQ's Twitter at twitter.com/MAHQdotnet.
1: Oh yeah, visit our sponsors uh, Petco and GoDaddy, and, and especially and check the uh, the our website for the details of some of the offers there. And supporting us on the iTunes with your comments and stuff and your yeah. downloads and. If anybody can get any get us hooked up with maybe people in some of the industries, if anybody has it an in, please uh, you know maybe direct it to myself at neomhq.net and you know I can go from there too because you know we need to grow this thing. Either that or we'll just quit it. So.
3: And uh, tigers. We need tigers. And tigers,
1: tigers and red M and M's. Time to go to Vegas. And uh, French artesian water from the French Alps. Sweet. There you go.
4: We don't mention this a lot too, but um, the Gundam is also brought to you by the Mevio Network at Mevio.com and um, you can download a show from there too, as well as iTunes and Zoom. And go that, to iTunes. Uh, go iTunes. <laughs> That's pretty much it for this episode, and we'll be back in just a few weeks with more Gundam and MahQ. As Slender made it out, it looks like he's the only one who
1: escaped, sir. Denim and Gene are assumed KIA due to insubordination.
3: Too bad for Gene and Denim. It looks like they both lost their game
1: Gundam oh. at MHQ is a Shinjuku station in the MHQ production
0: I've achieved an ambition yes which is a worry because I always say you should never have ambitions because you either achieve them in which case so what? Or you don't, in which case you have a life of disappointment. But so it's better you... not to have ambition. So, but you did have ambition, I mean... Well, at 11, I mean, I quickly took up smoking and then that was the end and of that. that was the end of all that. <laughs> but, but supposing that you'd be king, I mean, what would you do if you were king? Well, do you know, I, I, I wasn't invited to... Well, I sort of was invited to the palace the other day, but we were filming in there, actually, for a, a series I'm making. Mm. And, um, it's a hideous place. Have you ever been? It is very strange. It's very gloomy, isn't it? It's very gloomy, and what I love is mm. that they've got a scarlet carpet going down the sort of main room. You think, well, that's okay, but then they put pink sofas on it with gold arms. It's making us again, isn't it? It is. Why? Well, it's, <laughs> it's It's like your granny's house.
2: <laughs> yeah. Anti-macassers. It yeah. is.
0: Anti-macassers uh, everywhere. <laughs> and the awful thing is, is that I was overcome the moment I walked through the door with this need to steal something. I've never had that
2: before. <laughs> You
0: walk in. I can go to your house. I wouldn't want to steal any of your belongings, but I think I'm going to have that harpsichord.